0: Thanks for listening to our podcast. Our title sponsor is Peterson Toyota, a great Ram Nation partner that prides itself on great service and delivering you the vehicle that is right for you. Been in business for more than 50 years, and they're the largest dealership in Northern Colorado. Hop online or visit the showroom and check out the new Toyota 4Runner Lime Rush Edition or the 2022 RAV4 Hybrid available in either 17 or 18-inch alloy wheels, sleek body style, and a two-tone roof that'll help you stand out. It now comes with an enhanced 10-year hybrid battery warranty or 150,000 miles. You'll be amazed at Peterson's entire selection from new to certified pre-owned, and their knowledgeable, friendly staff will help you find the vehicle that is great for you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please get Peterson Toyota, first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. It is Friday, August 5th, and that means it is the start of CSU fall camp. The football season is here. It is exciting. So excited to see what happens with the football program. They seem to be on our upper trajectory, but let's see what happens now that we've got just weeks away till kickoff and we're getting everything implemented and ironing out who's going to make the two deep. So, um, a lot of discussion to come over the next month. But uh, today it's a little bit of odd timing. We recorded this earlier this week, but we wanted to get it to you as soon as possible. Mike and I had a great discussion with Steve Ivey the author of Crackers College Hoops blog uh, kind of recapped the season last year the the changes this offseason with David Roddy leaving kind of went through some of the incoming players and uh, you know what Steve expects for next year so it's obviously still very early and hasn't seen any practices yet but he lingers around the program he talks with because he's got a pretty good pulse so he's always good to talk to and and kind of get the lay of the land so we wanted to bring that to you and uh next week we'll get back to talking ramp football so without further ado here's our discussion with steve ivy all right so a little special treat we're going to podcasts this week just because it's been a long time since we've last done this and um It was funny i saw our good buddy aaron harris on twitter poking a little fun at us saying hey it's been months since you guys have hopped on to to record anything i want to hear about hoops so i want to talk about hoops as well and no better person to do that than steve ivy of crackers hoops blog he is most knowledgeable csu basketball fan that i know and and uh, it's always a treat having having him steve how are you doing buddy
1: so i'm doing great i too saw that tweet from aaron uh and uh, what a great guy he is! But uh, you know, I, I always love to talk about uh, talk about the basketball, and it, it coincided very well with the fact that I uh, I visited my first practice about a week or so ago, and got uh, so I could start getting a look at uh, at what the upcoming team uh, looks like. So uh, it fit very perfectly. And when you fired off, uh, hey, let's do a podcast. It was like, yeah, let's go. So it's good to see you. Hopefully, you're having a great summer, Mike. Good to see you as well. So. Hope things are going well for you boys.
2: As always, Steve, great to see you. Things have been good on our end. Um, so one thing I do want to bring up before we get started, kind of going off of what Aaron, you know, giving us a hard time. I know, Joel, you've probably gotten texts. I know we both got people handling us at that coach's thing in a Lone Tree early in the yeah. summer about not being on and, and not doing podcasts. Even though we're part of what you want to call new media, I know that's the big thing that that uh, Draymond Green kept on bringing up this summer uh, with our podcast and stuff. We are different from what Justin does. Justin Michael, who does an amazing job for DNVR, this isn't our job. <laughs> That's his job. It's his job to 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 put out content, whether it's it's writing or or the podcast. We're just some, we're just we should, some fans that enjoy fans. doing this. So yeah. Aaron, get off our backs.
0: Back it off, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> even Joe, even Joe, Joe was pestering me all summer. He's like, "What are we gonna do another?" Joe Parker was like, "Are we gonna do another podcast? Are we ever gonna get back on?" I'm like, "Sorry, bud, I'm enjoying my summer. I need a little break." But but I've been tough.
2: too busy traveling and drinking. You know, it's yeah. just it's been tough fitting it in. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, But, you know, but
1: uh, you got to admit, I mean, the financial benefits are so much that uh, that you you probably should be doing a lot more, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly
2: right.
0: (laughs) This is actually a financial drain because it's taking me away from the actual job. <laughs> actually, we're actually recording this during my working hours right now, so yeah, my my uh, hopefully not, my boss is not listening to this. Uh, anyway, we've come a long way since um, we last talked. I mean, um, we never really did a basketball recap show. I think we were all just bummed about the end of the season, and it took a little time to to let the sting wear off. And but Steve, uh, it was a pretty special trip to Indy you know being around that team it's a it's a great unit the coaches are fantastic the people that follow that team and in and, and travel the bunch of i mean CSU fans we have got some we've got some great people the the people that are close with the program they're a lot of fun to hang out with and it was it was like just a tight knit group it was a blast and uh that arena was a lot of fun to be in uh for all those games we saw a couple of really good other matchups beside our Rams. But uh, you know, it took me a while to let that sting wear off. But once I got there, I was like, wow, that was really cool playing Michigan. We were up big on them at half. Right. And uh, at least a minute before half. And, and, uh, and then, you know, you start reflecting on how the whole season went and it really was obviously one of the better seasons we've ever had. So um, what was your overall takeaway after that season had ended and, and you got over the loss. Uh, I'm with you
1: hundred percent on the experience in Indianapolis. Um, you know, one of the things I, maybe I'm just too old to, uh, uh, it hurt to watch, uh, watch our guys lose, but you know, every, every game in a tournament has a winner and loser and somebody goes home disappointed. In our case, we went home disappointed, um, but it was a special year with a special group of players we got to see, um, incredible development out of, uh, David Roddy. Um, and, but the other players that contributed in a big way too. the venue was fantastic. As you said, Indy was, I was not all that excited about going to Indy. I'd never been there. And when I got there and saw how that city was laid out for, uh, athletic events for major sports events, I can't think of a better place to go watch a, uh, to go watch an NCAA basketball tournament. So the, the, the arena was fantastic. The layout in terms of hotels and being able to just basically walk around, go to restaurants and stuff. What a, what a fantastic thing. Uh, and then as you said, we got to see some other games that were pretty good. Those of us that went that night got treated to the, maybe the two best opening round games with, uh, St. Peter's and Kentucky. And, uh, San Francisco and Murray State both overtime games and that's ultimately when you get to go to a site you get to watch other basketball too and even though your team loses it's still an incredibly fun experience so yeah 100% Joel what a great time it was even though it was a disappointing end.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah I know those evening games really cushion the blow. You know, especially being able to, I mean, I worked my way down about five rows off the court for that St. <laughs> Peter's Kentucky, Kentucky game. game. And to be there and, and literally having them feed away and, and seeing the excitement on, on their faces. I mean, everybody was a peacock in that. If, unless you were wearing Kentucky blue, everybody was a peacock in in that arena.
1: Yeah, it was you know, it was uh, the other thing that was kind of neat. Uh, maybe we lucked out because of the fact no one was there from St. Peter's, or uh, I mean Murray State and Kentucky, obviously well attended, but nobody from San Francisco or or, uh, or St. Peter's. But to buy tickets on the open market for those pair of games for like twenty bucks, up until you know <laughs> up until game time, you could just walk in for twenty bucks, sit anywhere you wanted to, pretty much like you did. And I sat in the club level. Twenty bucks. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, I want. I, I, I want to share a funny story. I, uh, you know, I the Kentucky game. I, I've talked to people about this. I can't believe Kentucky lost to St. Peter's. I mean, here I am. I'm rooting for St. Peter's, but there is uh, Kentucky had no business losing that game. And it's really interesting when you watch other teams play. You develop an appreciation for some of your players. And I watched Kentucky with uh, an unbelievable advantage with their big man, with that uh, Oscar Schwabe. That guy should have had 50 points. St. Peter's, uh, he, should have, he would have fouled out the entire front line if Kentucky had a point guard that knew how to get him the ball. And, uh, and here I am, I'm watching guys that are considered top 10 point guards in the country, and they don't hold a candle to Isaiah Stevens. There's a kid named Severe Wheeler who transferred from Georgia, got all these accolades of Kentucky, had no idea how to get the ball uh, to Schwabe. To and then they had a guy, uh, Ty Ty Washington, as a backup, who got drafted in the first round, had no clue. And I actually – I had a chance to talk to Isaiah about it. I said, hey, did you watch that uh, Kentucky St. Peter's game? And uh, he said, yeah. I said, did, did you think those point guards were any good for Kentucky? He goes, no. <laughs> he said – He he said, "Severe Wheeler has no idea how to change uh, change speeds, how to change direction, change speeds to be able to get the ball to the big man. You have to change the pace around sometimes." And uh, and Ty Ty Washington looked like he didn't give a crap that he was just out there because he knew he was going to get drafted in the first round. And I said. I think I said, Isaiah, I think Schwabe would have had 50 points if you were in there. He looked at me and said, Yeah, definitely. <laughs> he, he would have gotten them the ball the whole game. Um, yeah. And that's we're, we we underestimate that we have a player like Isaiah Stevens. Um, Kentucky would have won that game and gone a lot further if they had a guy like him instead of Wheeler or Ty Ty Washington.
0: Do you think that, that uh, the matchup with Michigan exposed anything um, of our weaknesses that we need to shore up going into? Oh next, next season? You know, the, the thing that, uh, the thing that Michigan did a really good
1: job of was, you know, we had that small ball lineup, um, that did really, really well. When, uh, when Roddy played the five, you know, the last two years, Michigan was prepared for that small ball lineup and they made Roddy work so hard defensively with Hunter Dickinson, just leaning on him, leaning on him, leaning on him that I think it wore Roddy down, um, so I think that, you know, when you play teams like that, that have that kind of size, um, I don't know um, if you can over uh, a longer a period of time that we like to play that small lineup. You've got to really be clicking or else you're going to run into problems against a team with the size of Michigan. I mean, Hunter Dickinson was, what, seven foot and 275 pounds. They got a 6'10 kid that got drafted in the NBA who, as after a freshman year, they had a you know six eight kid who could shoot. And then the other thing was they had they had good guards um, and they kind of worked us on the guard side, too. But I think the small the small ball lineup struggled against the size of Michigan. And I think it, it made it clear that we needed to be just a little bigger, a little stronger.
2: Well, I know you and I talked at halftime. We we were sitting near each other and, and we talked on the concourse. We got those couple cheap fouls that last right. minute and we were up 15 and that 15 point lead. Uh, I mean, evaporated to an 11 point lead. That's huge. That's huge going into halftime, and it wasn't. I mean, everything you just said is is correct. It wasn't. It wasn't about the officials, um, but I mean, you saw with Thomas, everything we love about him and everything that he couldn't do. I mean, he comes out nails five threes, looks great on the offensive end, but he he did he just couldn't battle underneath with with their bigs that you just talked about. And so, yeah, that that led to Roddy having to play underneath and try trying to hunt, uh, guard Hunter for you know forty minutes, and he and he can't do it.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's just a little too much. And you know, Michigan classic classic team that probably underachieved in the regular season um, for whatever reason. Um, but you're looking at guys, I, you're looking at all different kinds of NBA level players on that team, and they just didn't gel, and then. They happened to get it going just at the right time in the game against us. They caught us. They played a great two minutes and went to, you know, a close game and expanding the lead. And we just couldn't quite make it back against them. But, uh, again, I, 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 we just needed to be just a little bigger, a little stronger, a little more stout, especially defensively. And I
2: think there's that experience piece. A lot of those kids, you know, were either coming into a program that just went deep in the, uh, 2021 tournament, um, uh, to a program like ours that hadn't been in the NCAA tournament for nine years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, that very much. So hundred percent on that, you know, you think back to the, the 2012 team that lost in the first round in, uh, Louisville against Murray state. We were leading that game at halftime too, and we ended up losing by 20. Um, we didn't have the experience to sustain over, uh, over 40 minutes against a, against a good team and, and experience does come in handy. I think that part of that is more the, the mental, emotional. I think uh, it's real easy to get overhyped when you're in the tournament for the first time and I think you waste a lot of emotional energy. And I thought we looked uh, we looked drained in the second half against uh, against Michigan. They just looked tired, looked like they wore out of uh, not just physically but uh, as a result of the, all the emotion they put into the game.
0: Well, it's going to be different this year. Life after David Roddy, we it, it was so interesting to watch all that unfold, uh, the draft process, and you know it seemed like the consensus was that best he was going to be a late first rounder, most likely a second rounder. And it sounds like from the reports that Memphis kind of had him top of mind all along. And uh, were you surprised where he went in the draft? And obviously excited for the kid. He, he's a top-notch human being and an outstanding competitor. What a a job he did helping elevate our program over the last few years.
1: I think everybody was surprised that he won 23rd. I talked to Nico about it. Nico said David's agent was surprised he won 23rd. Hmm. Um, He thought he'd go late round. He thought he'd go very late first round. They they had him anywhere from 25 to 40. Um, 25 was the absolute most aggressive they could be. And they thought, 40 was the worst case, and it went going 23rd, Memphis trading up to get him. Um, what was really interesting was that uh, the teams that traded, well, there, were, there were three teams that were trying to trade up to get him, and they were all the top teams. Um, Memphis, Golden State, and uh, the Celtics uh, were all looking at trading up to get Roddy, and, uh, and I think that speaks a lot to him. Uh, not just the, the quality of the player he is, but uh, it, it, his ability to fit into a, uh, uh, a team, uh, to, to, to not just be a role player, but to be an integral part of a team, but to fit in right away because of the way he plays. He's a complete player. He's not a, he's not a one-dimensional player. He can score inside and outside. He can guard. Um, he showed in summer league he can really run the floor, uh, but I think you know at 6'6 and two hundred fifty five pounds, his his agility and uh, and coordination is off the charts for a guy that size, and I think that's why they were uh, they were so high on him.
2: Well, I, I know that the Nuggets also trading Michael Green to OKC to get that last pick in the first round. You know, one of those friend of a friend. He had an impressive workout with the Nuggets and they really were looking hard at him at the end of the end of the first round. So, you know, he he did his homework. You know, this wasn't I was was pretty upset reading some of the comments on, on the message board about, you know, Roddy not being a team player to the program or Roddy. Roddy only thinking about himself or getting bad advice and all this other stuff, and that he was going to be just like Bibbs. and
0: Comparing him to Bibbs. And,
2: And, and, you know, he did his homework, and he put in the work, and and everyone talked about the combine, how he didn't have an an impressive outing there. I watched some of those games, and and it was (laughs) – I mean, it was what you would see if you went to the went to a playground, went to the Y and, and watched a pickup game. It was 30 guys out there for himself. And he's a team basketball player. <laughs> and so he wasn't going to shine in that. But those individual workouts, he he tore it up like the Nuggets loved what they saw from him and what he did, you know, for with his individual workout. And, and they had some some bigger names, so-called bigger names in there at that same workout. And he was head and shoulders above them.
1: You know, the, the, the other thing, Mike, that, uh, (laughs) I talked to Nico about, um, so Nico told me a couple of things. Uh, he was with David, uh, on draft night. Um, but Nico also told me that he, David really didn't make up his mind to enter the draft until right. And we know it the last day he made his announcement and it really was true. He was, he was coming back. He, he was coming back to CSU. And then he kind of had a, a, a little different change of heart and realized it was time to go for it, that he felt very confident about his workouts and stuff. Um, but Nico was, um, basically read David's agent, the riot act and said, he better go between 25 and 40. I'll never talk to you again if you ruin this kid's career. Um, And uh, so that was one interesting tidbit I picked up from Nico, but the other thing, and I wanted to mention, this is, this is about David. You know, we, we look and we see everything on the basketball floor. We saw the trajectory. That kid had an amazing trajectory at CSU going from just big guy, big athlete when he came to, you know, by the second year, he was contributing a little more, still pretty much scoring inside, but showing off his passing and rebounding ability. And then by the third year, when he expanded by the outside shooting and stuff, I mean, he became a complete player. He's only going to get better. He works hard at it. The second part is um, David got when he uh, started doing the workouts, you know, he went down to Phoenix and they work with an agency and they say, here's how the workouts are going to go. All those workouts are exactly the same. They're going to work out for two hours. They're going to have you do this. They're going to have you do that. They're going to have you do that. But there's another thing they're evaluating. They're looking at you as a person. And when you check into the hotel, you can bet there are eyes on you the night before and If they see people going out and partying, if they see people doing this, they see people doing that, um, the odds are you're not going to get drafted because they're investing millions of dollars in you. Um, and they are going to make sure that, uh, the, that they draft somebody that is going to be a professional. That's the top organizations that are doing that. Um, they're looking at the character of the player. And with David, it is so obvious that, about the character And uh, I guess, you know, even Nico had stories from summer league where David was in summer league and some of those other players in Vegas, (laughs) young players in Vegas, guess what's happening at night, right? They're going out. It's like, they don't give a darn. That's not David. David is focused on basketball and being the best basketball player. And so his character emerged as well. And I think that's the other reason, not just his physical talent, but his character emerged and lo and behold, um, Lo and behold, drafted twenty third. So I think we're all excited about that to a good organization. I know, it, like one of their—I don't know if it's a beat writer—if it was
2: one of their like their version of DNVR had tweeted out the day after the draft when Memphis had all three of their draft picks, and it, it was like David Roddy looks like the high-priced lawyer who's representing two two young kids who got in trouble. And he's there business life, man, suit, everything's there. And then the other two draft picks are just have clothes thrown on and they're slouched back in their chair and, and he's up there. And, and I watched more summer league this year <laughs> than I have since when Mello and, and, and Bron got drafted and kind of when, the, when the summer league first really started getting aired and, He, you saw it on the court there as well. Again, everyone wanted to to look at Kenny Lofton and and he had a couple big games scoring, but when Lofton got the ball, it was about Lofton. When David got the ball, it was about what can, what can we do to score a basket? Whether that means I take it to the rim, whether I shoot, whether I pass it and, and, or make that extra, extra ball movement to get, to get that easy bucket. So you saw what he did in, I watched almost every one of his summer league games and, and he was impressive. And, and you saw it, he learned every game. He improved every game. I'm like, I'm excited about this season, and I'm always gonna be a Nuggets fan, but man, I'll be I'll be watching some Grizzly games too.
1: <laughs> I think we're all gonna watch the Grizzlies play, and I think David will somehow fit out to the back end of the rotation this year. The one thing that impressed me, Mike and Joel, that while watching, I and I watched summer league, I watched some of it too, not all of it, but I watched David a few times. Um, he was in a position, he's basically playing a, a perimeter, you know, a wing position, like a three small forward. And it, he wasn't forced to rebound as much and he was able to run the wing and his speed and athleticism on the wing was in, incredibly impressive. Um, I, you know, we didn't get a chance to look at that because he got caught inside too much having to rebound on the defensive end, and we didn't get a chance to see him run the floor. And I, I when I saw Isaiah last week, I said, Isaiah, you probably would have had three more assists if you had Roddy playing as a three running the floor. He goes, oh, yeah, he would have been dunking all day long running the wing in the fast break with me passing to him. He said, yeah, it would have been a piece of cake. Um, but we'll see, we'll see that player emerge, I think, with the, uh, with the Grizzlies.
0: What is life going to look like post David Roddy at CSU? The news came out maybe yesterday officially that Jake Jennison had another knee injury and it's probably gone for the season and there was one of your bigs and uh, what what is it going to look like? Yeah, let me let me
1: address the the Jennison thing. Um I heard about it last week and I wanted to make sure it came out officially before it was uh, talked about. Um, he Jake tore an ACL. Um, he tore one in high school and has basically been out the last two years, um, and, but had been rehabbing and building his game up. And he was having a great spring and early summer. Uh, he was uh, what I was here. What I heard was he was in the process of maybe moving into the starting center position um, ahead of James Moore's, um, and that uh, he had come that far learning everything, running the offense, defending well, rebounding well, making outside shots. He was shooting very well from the perimeter. So it came as a huge blow uh, when Jacob tore uh, his ACL. And I can tell you, while everybody are disappointed, no one is more disappointed than Jake himself. Um, this is a kid who has worked hard and is now going to be his third year without playing basketball. And for these guys that are hiked, highly competitive athletes very skilled athletes there's nothing worse than having to sit for three years basically so um that's a big a big uh, a big blow um but you know that if you've been following any of the recruiting stuff um we still have james Moores, obviously and james is a good 20 minute player and hopefully will continue to improve his game he improved a lot defensively um hopefully he'll get a little a little a little better offensively a little ability to score a little better, um, maybe a little further away from the rim sometimes. Um, but he understands the offense um, and knows how to get the, th- uh, get the thing to run. Um, but it immediately, when Jake got hurt, you had some things that went into motion from a recruiting perspective. And the the, uh, the, the staff decided they needed to get a big man in for 2022-23. For and uh, they had been recruiting, uh, they've been recruiting a couple of players. Um, they got on to a kid in Southern California. Uh, there's also a European who is unnamed right now, but they had two different players that they thought could be reclassified to 2022. Uh, the, the, the number one target was uh, a kid from uh, Southern California. And uh, lo and behold, um, they went out, they saw him play a bunch. And the kid is a real late bloomer, um, had offers from low division one schools, um, but started coming on this summer. And it's a, it's an interesting case of he's a multi-sport athlete is a very good baseball player, multi-sport athlete. So maybe a little held back in terms of basketball because he's a 90 mile an hour pitcher, um, uh, pitcher, um, and, uh, and a very good pitcher. So, um, starting to focus a little more on basketball. And he he graduated from high school in 22 and decided to go to a, a prep school for a, a year and to hopefully build up, uh, you know, build up his resume. Well, lo and behold, this summer he started coming on and then offers started coming in. And next thing you know, you know CSU offered, next thing you know, San Francisco offers, good program, NCAA tournament team, Utah State offered. Missouri offered so an SEC school came in and saw him and offered and so there's a lot of activity but all those other offers were 2023 offers and CSU started talking uh, about uh, bringing him in for uh, for this year Um, I know uh, after they made the offer Nico and uh, Ali went out to see him play again talk to him some more set up they had an official visit set up uh, another member of the staff Aaron Katsuma went out to Southern California prior to the visit this is all happening I mean this is the this is the hard push and he wanting to make sure they got to know him and he got to know them uh came for the visit a week ago uh a little over a week ago and uh lo and behold um uh the visit went really really well but then word came out uh, came up that uh that all of a sudden USC is talking to him. And so that slowed things down for a couple of days. But then uh, Friday, um, Friday uh, he accepted the offer and announced that he's coming to, uh, coming to uh, CSU. His name is Kyle Evans, 6'10", 210 pounds. Uh, Good defender, good rebounder, has the ability to shoot the perimeter shot. He'll be a good fit for uh, CSU. And um, Lord knows he's going to be needed this year, but that's going to be an important part of, uh, that's an important recruiting uh, recruiting part for the twenty twenty two class, and that staff did phenomenal work um, uh, getting a quality player in, in such a short amount of time.
0: That was a big addition. It was a welcome sight to see, uh, especially knowing that uh, Jake got hurt and, and needing some size there. The other guy that uh, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on that—that uh, that the Rams added this offseason—is Patrick Cartier, the six foot eight. He's a graduate student forward um, from a Division II college. Um, what can you tell us about him? Because that was kind of like when his announcement was made. It was like, could this guy kind of fill a Roddy role? Uh, what What can you tell us about him?
1: Um, I was impressed when I saw him. I went to practice last week. I was impressed by the fact that he seemed to fit in as if he had been there for a couple of years. Smart player. Uh, good athlete. Not I a mean, 6'8", 220, maybe you will get a little heavier, but he's strong. He's not a small guy. Um, uh, watching him offensively, uh, very smart player, uh, knows how to set screens properly, knows how to pass the ball properly. Those are all, These are all intricate things that you have to do really well in CSU's half-court offense. Um, very good finisher around the rim, not an above-the-rim player for sure. A very much a, Very much a below-the-rim scorer but uh, finishes with his left hand and his right hand. Uh, reminds me a lot, even though he's bigger and stronger and maybe a little more capable, if you go back to Pierce Horning's ability just to finish around the rim. Pierce, Pierce scored 10 points a game just by being able to shoot left-hand, right-hand layups and not get them blocked, by creating different angles um, and being smart. And Patrick is very much the same way. Patrick also, um, Nico talked about it in an article in the Colorado, today. Kevin Lytle was talking to Nico and talked about uh, Cartier is a good outside shooter. He didn't shoot much in college from uh, from the perimeter, but he could shoot threes. And I saw him make a few threes in practice and look very comfortable. Uh, shot form is good. Rotation, good. Um, making shots. So he'll be an important component. I don't think he'll be, you know, he's not going to replace Roddy. No one's going to replace Roddy, but I think we're looking at a, a low double-digit scorer and the ability to get somewhere between five and eight rebounds a game. and He'll make up for the rebounding and a little bit of Roddy scoring. Um, uh, uh, and I think he'll be a big addition. I think he'll walk right into the starting lineup. Um, I don't know exactly where he'll play. Um, he could play a small ball five. I think he has the ability to do that. Um, again, not quite as, uh, as uh, athletic as Roddy, but, uh, but has a lot of skill. And I think he can play the four as well. So I think he'll fit in beautifully.
2: Did you get a chance to see Josiah Strong this summer? Uh, just,
1: I, I saw some. I mean, I saw them all. Um, Josiah, um, good shooter, um, definitely good shooter. Um, you can see the athleticism. I think uh, his challenge will be. I don't. And I have no doubt he'll he'll be able to to, to figure it out. Uh, getting integrated into what CSU does versus, you know, he's played for four years uh, at other places. And so uh, learning CSU system terminology, um, how they want to defend, how they want to run the offense, but he definitely has the skills. And I think we'll see a lot of, a lot of him as well, whether he starts, I think there's a good chance he'll walk into Kendall's uh, Kendall Moore's spot um, because he's a little bigger, a little stronger and definitely a, You know, he made as many threes. uh, He made more threes than anybody on our team last year. So, definitely a a, a very uh, accurate, very lethal perimeter shooter, which is very important in uh, in Nico's offense. So, I think we'll see him as a a very, very big contributor. Again, low double. He he averaged twelve points, I think, for Illinois State. I think we'll see similar kinds of numbers out of him this year with CSU. What
0: do you make out of? uh, So, obviously, last year Chandler Jacobs worked out very well as a uh, transfer from a D two institution. You've got Patrick Cartier. They're kind of going that route again with a a division two player. And they also added this Joe Palmer from a division three school. Um, does that translate playing at that level to D one mountain West basketball? See,
1: um, I will tell you this. I saw Joe, I met, I met Joe the week before I knew all about him, but I couldn't talk about it because it wasn't official. Uh, he was at the, uh, the uh, TBT uh, interest squad game at Moby. And I, I, I met him there. Uh, I knew he was coming. Um, and he is built like a rock. He's 6'4, 210. He is uh, he's a brute when he has the basketball and he can shoot too. He can. Um, and I, I, who would I compare him to? Is he going to be as good as Daniel Bayerano I don't know, but he built and pl- he's built and he plays very physically like Daniel used to play. Um, and uh and he'll be a welcome addition from a physical perspective. I think it will it might take him a little time to make the transition from uh, D3 to D1. But I got to tell you, he can shoot from the outside. I saw him making threes left and right. And he is a bull. So, uh, and I he's one of those guys, I guarantee you, he's not going to take no for an answer. And he's only going to get better and better. And it's just a matter of how well he makes the leap. But I, I think it can be done. I don't know if it's going to be a – you know, a 30 minute a game guy, but I can see him being playing an important role off the bench and like I said, being very, very physical.
0: Any word on how they found him? I know I, I was looking, I was like, where the heck is Augsburg University? But it's in Minneapolis. So obviously there's some ties there with the staff. They must have gotten some sort of tip on him.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I didn't get the. I didn't get the. I didn't find that out. I will say this, um, and this is kind of an interesting. After I, after I saw that he was coming from D three, I wanted to get a feel for uh, the top. Uh, how many D three players have been drafted <laughs> into the NBA? And it's like three of them have been drafted. No, it's like three uh, have been drafted in the last twenty years. And one of them came from Augsburg. So uh, Debbie and uh, I think it was uh, uh, Debbie and George who played with the Lakers. <laughs> so, it, so maybe Augsburg. Uh, maybe it bodes well that he's from Augsburg.
2: Well, I, I know that one. See you in the springs, uh Derek White. And I know that was just going through his his uh, Palmer's yeah. Twitter feed. He had a lot of stuff on Derek White, and it, it, for those went to CU in the Springs and then transferred to uh, CU and what is he in his fourth year in the, in the league
1: Uh,
2: played it, played a a solid role for the Celtics in their, in their run for the, uh, the, as Eastern conference champions. So, you know, hopefully we see that same trajectory, but I love hearing what you said about the strength and about them being solid. You know, one of the things that kind of bothered me last year with, with our fans is, you know, they kept on talking about how we're not big enough, we're not tall enough. You know, in these long teams, you know, we're going to get beat by them. It was stronger teams. You look, you look at what, and it wasn't necessarily inside. Yes, they, the, the, we had trouble with those longer, but it was the longer guards, and and we seemed to have uh, trouble with UNLV with San Diego State when when their stro- when their guards pretty much just pushed us around and we couldn't get the ball inside to Roddy. So I love hearing this with, with these guards coming in because I think that 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 had more to do with it than than the other teams being taller, uh being longer than us. It was it was mo- almost more of a strength and, and and not being able to to push the ball like we want to and, and not be able to work it in our half-court offense.
1: I would agree with that. You know, I I think that the last couple of years you've seen improvements in uh in the weight room, uh, with getting bigger and stronger and girthier, maybe not, maybe you don't have the height, uh, but the girth helps a lot um, in terms of being able to play physical defense. Um, it's not just height, so I think we're going to see a little, little bigger, little stronger team that way in terms of girth this year. Cartier is definitely built um, strong, is definitely well built. Um, so yeah, they're they're. I think we're going to see a little, little stronger team. Freshmen are a little different. You know, the freshmen are a little, uh, a little less built. Um, they're not, they're good athletes, but it's going to take them a little time to build up.
0: So. So those guys, uh, I know we mentioned Kyle Evans, Josiah Strong, Patrick Cartier and Joe Palmer and the freshmen, that I think you're referring to are uh, Tavi Jackson, six foot two guard and Jack Payne, six foot six guard. I think he's out of Boise. Uh, yep. what, uh, what kind of players are they?
1: Let me start with Payne. 6'6 kid, like you said, out of Boise. Um, Turns out he grew up in Southern California, moved to Boise in eighth or ninth grade. Um, And so he's got kind of the California surfer looks. Um, He's a good athlete. Um, The reason I kind of got to know about him a little bit was, and the reason I I asked, because I asked him, I said, it turns out he has a connection at Highland Meadows. His dad is very good friends with one of the original developers of Highland Meadows. So when Jack came here, Jack uh, got VIP golf privileges at Highland Meadows. And, uh, and he's a good golfer, I guess he played high. said, did he play? He goes, yeah, I played high school golf. It was to take a break away from the other sports. Um, And he told me, yeah, my dad was a business associate with a business associate with this other guy in Southern California. We lived out there, and we moved to Boise when I was in uh, in eighth grade. And so um, so he's – he's. I don't think he's going to – ever uh, this is just first impressions. Again, I, I don't know about a superstar, but you're talking about a guy who's going to stuff every stat. He'll score points. He'll get rebounds. He'll get assists. He'll get steals. He'll get one or two of everything here and there, um, and he's going to fill – the score sheet because he's a very good team player and he plays both ends of the floor. Um, He's one of those kind of guys. And so, you know, I started thinking who would I, who would I comp him to? Um, If you think back 10 years ago, Joe Deciman, Joe was good for 10 points a game, five rebounds a game, two assists a game, a steal a game. He could be a Joe Deciman type of player, and there's nothing wrong with that because I don't know if you're aware of this, but Joe Deciman is the all-time winningest college basketball player in CSU history.
2: <laughs> you know, I saw I, I saw Payne at, after the UNLV game, and he was on the floor talking with Ali. And I got to tell you, I mean, he looked like, as a senior in high school, looked like a more put-together version of Adam Thistlewood.
1: Yeah, me, I, it, I mean
2: just like the his body type and his in his size. He just even at 18 years old looked like a, a more put together version of Adam and and so I I mean everything that you just said, I mean that's that's exciting because we need those players. Those are those are the players that get you wins.
1: Yep, absolutely. And you know the 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 thing about you, you compare him to uh Thistlewood, he's probably a little better athlete than Adam. Um Jack, uh, like I said, a golfer, which are, you know already makes him number one in my eyes. But uh, but uh, he played quarterback football too. So nice. Did you know he, you know he played football? <laughs> Drink. <laughs> but that's, by the way, that you know if you haven't figured it out, that's the CSU profile. You go out and you find multi-sport athletes. They want multi-sport guys that are leaders, and if we haven't figured out that that's what works in terms of recruiting. Um, that's that. that's their that's their model. And it works. And, you know, Lord knows uh, we get I, these aren't diamonds in the rough. These are very, very good athletes. They just haven't been focused on 100 percent on basketball. That's all. Well, I know Evans, the, the kid that we just got this week is a pitcher in
2: baseball. And I, and, and I heard that that was one of the reasons why some of the some schools were backing off him because they didn't know if he was going to focus on that sport as a, as a
1: pitcher, you know. Yep. It was like a last, uh, just the last few months, he decided to focus more on basketball than baseball. And the kid throws about 90 miles an hour. Maybe he'd get faster and maybe he'd be the right hand in Randy Johnson. If he stayed with, I don't know, but, uh, but we're lucky we have him. He's a, like I said, a really good multi-sport athlete. And he's going to fit in really well with this culture. So we'll talk about Cavi Jackson as well. I don't want to leave him out. Um, you know, the, I, The the one thing I have to be careful of uh, when I talk about Tavi is you know a lot of times you start going oh he's the heir apparent to Isaiah Stevens and unfortunately no one's going to walk in and take over (laughs) Isaiah Stevens' job Isaiah Stevens when he when it comes down to it is going to go down as easily one of the top ten players that ever played at CSU maybe even top five I don't you know I don't I don't like to compare uh, previous. You know, a, a lot of the the older it, it's so hard to compare for different generations. It's kind of like the Jordan Lebron argument, you know. But Isaiah is has been a fantastic player, and so um, when you when you when you watch players come in, you go, oh, well, he's probably not Isaiah yet, <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Um, he was very athletic. Tavi's very athletic. Uh, lower body built very strong. We'll need to put on a little weight in the upper body. Um, very good. Uh, Look good with the ball. Look good uh, defensively. Good defensive posture. I saw him miss a bunch of outside shots. So, and and from my perspective, it might just have been a bad day. Um, hopefully, it was just a bad day. But that wasn't the kind of shooting that'll get you lots of minutes um, in the long run. He's going to have to improve his shooting. And hopefully, it was a bad day.
0: Well, that's a good rundown. Appreciate that, Steve. Um, so, it, it's funny thing is we're all focused on the loss of David Roddy, but we lost six guys that put in some good minutes for CSU over the years. And uh, obviously Kendall Moore is one of your uh, personal favorites. Chandler Jacobs is gone. Jalen Lake, Adam Thistlewood, Deshaun Thomas. And for the reasons you said, I mean, you you still feel pretty good about maybe not picking up where they left off, but, but, but not having as big of a drop as you might think just because of Isaiah Stevens uh, leading the crew there. But who do you see as of that group outside of Roddy is, is, You know the 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 toughest to replace, and in guys that we're really going to have to to figure out how to fill those gaps.
2: Hold on, Joel. It's Jalen Scott, not Jalen Leak. Sorry, Jalen Leak's coming back.
1: I I misspoke. You know the we talk about you know the the guys we're going to miss. You miss them all, but you have to move on. This is college basketball. You refresh every few years, and that's the. To me, that's the joy and the excitement of college basketball. It's different than the professional game where you have ten-year players. It's nice that you have this, uh, this, this turnover of players and de- turnover rosters. You get different styles of play. Different people emerge. You know, you may not see us uh, the same small ball lineup. You may see. Um, different kinds of different kinds of things and different players' skill sets emerge a little differently. A uh, kid like Isaiah Rivera um, will get to play a little more. Jalen Lake will be asked to 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 do a little more. The one that I think is going to emerge this year um, that was you know part-time starter, mostly six-man is John Tanjay. Yeah. Um, John John showed how well he could play with the opening game against Oral Roberts. 31 points was completely unstoppable and he averaged, you know, just a low double figures playing about what 20, 25 minutes a game. I think he'll be counted on to contribute a lot more. And I got to tell you, physically um, I, I looked at him and he continually improves his body. He went from being kind of a chunky guy to getting muscular to last year, getting just a little leaner and a little more flexible and he's even leaner this year. He looks really, really good. And if anybody looks like a two guard, it's him. Um, he, I said, John, do you lose a little weight? He goes, Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's a big yoga guy, uh, big flexibility guy. And I think we're going to see a major leap out of uh, out of Tanja this year. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I think he's the guy that's gonna that are gonna emerge. And obviously, I you know, I think the world of uh, of Isaiah. Um, he's, uh, there is not. I mean, he's a top five in the country point guard. Um, maybe even the best Um, you're looking at a guy who's generational at CSU in terms of how to play point guard.
2: When you Uh, look at, you look at Tonje, he played the second half of the season with a, with a MCL injury. Think about how many games that he had where he just didn't finish at the rim. What he was doing last year or as a sophomore, what he was doing in the first part of, of uh, last season, when he was getting those points, he didn't have that he didn't have that at the end of the year. And I mean, him coming back healthy and and like you said, coming back leaner, he's going to be huge. You know, there's a lot of doom and gloom. And I, and I said this, I said this after the season, Friday comes back. I think we're a sweet 16 team. If he doesn't come back, I think we're a last four in last four out team. And that hasn't changed. And, you know, I, I, I think the core of this team is Isaiah Stevens, you know, and he's coming back. And you look at the improvement that Nico has shown of, of his players every year, Isaiah, Isaiah Rivera, as, as you brought up, look how much he improved from his freshman year to last year. We'll see that with Lake too. We'll see that with Lake. We'll see what you look at what uh, Roddy has done. You look at what Stevens has done. Tanjay's going to get that too. And, and you know, I'm excited about this season. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it's what fans do, right? You know, but I'm excited about what, what we have.
1: Well, and you've got a great staff as well. They'll figure it out. That's that's Joel. That's exactly it. It's as simple as that. We have a great staff. They know how to develop players. They run very good systems offensively and uh, defensively, you know, uh, they' uh, the, the offensive the offensive stuff that we run is way beyond anything that most teams run. Um, and uh, and it offers some tremendous challenges to uh, to opponents. and that's a that's a credit to this uh, like I said, the staff is incredible. Um, and uh, and so anybody who thinks that we're gonna all of a sudden drop off and be a 15 win team is crazy. The trajectory has been, 20, 20 in a COVID year where they lost a few games at the end in terms of uh, in, uh, in uh, uh, postseason play, then 20 in a year where they had virtually no non-conference schedule. They had three non-conference games instead of, uh, instead of 11. And then 25, this team, this team could be, you know, 25. They could have been 22, 25, 25 the last three years. And I think you're looking at 25 wins again. I don't know what the schedule is going to look like. I don't know if we're going to have quite as much strong a uh, Mountain West conference to have as many quad one, quad two games um, as we had last year. It may be a little tougher to get into the tournament, but I I see a twenty five win season. I'm sorry, that's that's just the nature of what we should expect out of this uh, out of this program
0: with Nico running it. All right, let me pause real quick and remind you about Ginger and Baker what a great sponsor they've been for us for the last couple of years. We rave about them all the time. If you don't know about this place, it's located in an historic 100-year-old grain mill that was masterfully renovated. It's home to two restaurants, the Cash and the Cafe. It's got a coffee shop, a bakery, a teaching kitchen, event spaces, and a market. The coffee shop now has expanded grab-and-go breakfast and lunches to go. You can actually also order some of their famous cocktails to go, take them home with you. Please check it out. This place is unbelievable. If you haven't been there, make sure you come on August 18th for our Ram Nation Happy Hour Q&A Fan Forum with Joe Parker uh, and see it for yourself. But our friend Ginger Graham has created a gem in Fort Collins with Ginger and Baker. Join us August 18th. We'll be sending out more information on that in the coming days, but uh, do not miss that. It is always a treat be a ginger and Baker.
2: So Steve uh, looking at the transfer portal. So many, again, our fans, so many are so mad that we didn't get a plug and play for, to fill in for Roddy. Now I look at that. You you can't get a David Roddy. You can't get someone similar to him to come in and play because someone similar to him is playing in the NBA, plain and simple. We're not going to get that. And if somebody decides to stay and not go to the league, they're going to go to Kansas. They're going to go to Duke. They're going to go to Kentucky. They're not going to come to CSU no matter what. What, what do you think about that? Like the, the whole plug and play for to refill for David Roddy?
1: Um, I think fans are very unrealistic uh, with schools such as CSU in terms of CSU's ability to attract players out of the portal given what's going on with the nil right now um it is uh it's a system that is i don't think has any long-term sustainability uh the way the nil is structured and um and let me just talk about uh, go into detail about what what i'm talking about Um, in order to get a player that's going to fit into your top eight rotation you better be able to come up with, you want to get a transfer out of the portal and somebody who's going to fit into your top eight, not necessarily a starter. You better be ready to come up with $150,000 at NIL. If you want a player who's going to be a star, who's going to be a David Roddy or an Isaiah Stevens, you better be prepared to come up with half a million plus in terms of NIL. So if you want to build a team via the portal and build a championship team via the portal, you better be be prepared to come up with $2 million a year right now in terms of, uh, in terms of uh, NIL money, $2 million a year. So if any fan from CSU wants to come up with $2 million and get a David Roddy plug-and-play, by all means, I'm behind it 100%. I don't have that money, right? <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it costs, and then, let's be realistic. That's what it's all about right now. It's not a sustainable model long-term, but it is what's going on right now. Um, here's what's amazing. Um, the kind of characters, uh, the, the players we recruit Roddy and Roddy would have come back to CSU. He would not have gone into the portal and he would have made a half million plus going somewhere. Isaiah Stevens came back to CSU, didn't declare for the draft. And I talked to Isaiah about it. I said, you're good for, he's good for half a million. He goes, yeah, I know, but I don't, I I love CSU. Why would I leave? This is where I want to be. And people ought to realize that we've got some incredible not just incredible players, but the character of these people and their love for the school um, is, is off the charts. Um, Isaiah could walk into a Kansas or a Kentucky and play for him. He doesn't want to. Well, it's not that he doesn't want to. He just loves CSU too much. That's all. Um, but that's what it takes, Mike. It's a, and so the plug-and-play thing is, is silly to even talk about right now until things uh, change. And, you know, the other thing, and I talked to Nico about this. Nico, he truly believes that the portal, you, you use the portal to fill in holes in your lineup, that the the core of your team has to come via prep recruiting. And he basically told me straight up, my all-conference players are going to come out of, uh, they're going to be preps that are recruited. They are not going to come out of, the, out of the portal. If we have an all-conference uh, player out of the portal, that would be a surprise. But I expect my high school players to develop over the, the three or four years into all conference players, and if you look at the Mountain West, even with all the transfer stuff that's going on, I look back historically. Eighty percent of the players that make uh, that make the all conference teams are high school recruits, not transfers.
0: So, it's a different world. Yeah, it's a different world from what we're used to. But man, a um, couple more things. What do we know about the schedule? Um, the the couple things that I. I'm aware of, or this Charleston classic will square off against uh, South Carolina in that first game. Um, I haven't seen, and uh, we haven't announced our schedule yet. And I, uh, I'm not,
1: I, I, I don't need to comment on schedule until I see the whole thing. I, you know, we're going to put together a good schedule. We put together a good one last year. We had a couple other games. We, uh, we wanted uh, to add last year that ended up not getting added, but, uh, they're talking to they're talking to big schools, and I'm sure they're looking at uh, neutral sites. So a lot of the neutral, a lot of the teams want to play neutral games for uh, for uh, uh, the uh, net ranking purposes. The homes and aways don't work as much as well as the uh, as the uh, the neutral games in terms of net rankings.
0: Well, I see Tad Tad was willing to play us against, uh, again after uh, Roddy, wow. so that's nice to see. What a giver!
2: But his best player left too and didn't get drafted, right? Uh,
1: he did. He, I think Jabari Walker did get drafted. I think he went right at the end of the first round. He played summer league with Portland. I think he That's went right. I think he went like 50, 58th in the uh, so set, right at the end of the second round. And he actually he did okay. He looked okay. Uh, they lost him. They lost a uh, they lost a guard to uh, UNLV who was a fifth year senior. Um, boyle it looks like he's interested also in in moving players on after four years he could have had a couple of 5th year players and uh uh they both uh, they both transferred um one went to oregon one went to uh unlv and uh and he's bringing in some good young players they'll be good um will they beat us i don't know
0: i hope not <laughs> I hope <laughs> but not. i think we're
1: i know one thing we'll be darn competitive.
0: <laughs> 57th overall pick,
2: Mike. That's right. Chauncey threw
1: the lifeline out there.
0: <laughs> there. There
1: is truth to that <laughs> because there's somebody else he signed as a to a to like a whatever summer league contract that was a CU
0: grad. <laughs> well, uh before we go, Mike, I don't know if, you know if you have anything more hoops related, but just uh just wanted to see Steve's general comments on uh what he expects for football this year. I'm excited. <laughs> I, I uh, you
1: know, there are, it, I, it's it's silly to say that, I mean, there's more questions than answers right now with the new program, uh, with all the, 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 quote turnover. I think the turnover has been extremely positive from a overall player perspective and certainly from a coaching perspective. The one thing that, and I think we're all jazzed and rightfully so is, We seem to have an incredible leader running the football program right now. Um, And he has embraced not just building the football program, but getting integrated into the community like you wouldn't believe. He's been tremendous in Fort Collins. Every day you read or every, you know, three times a week you read about Jay Norvell being involved in something in Fort Collins, whether it's the Boys Club of America or, yeah. And his wife, uh, Kim is involved with all kinds of stuff. They are a tremendous couple <laughs> and they are, I, I, there was a, a picture of, uh, of Kim with, uh, with, uh, with Nico's wife, Erica, and I referred to them as uh, Fort Collins royalty. Those are, that's, those are the two princesses of Fort Collins right now. Both of them are just exceptional people Um, and uh, what they're doing in the community uh, in terms of outreach to important things is, uh, it's so welcome. Uh, And like I said, Jay and Kim are incredible people. It's, I'm excited. I think, I think they're going to make a bowl game. I'm cr- I may be crazy. I think they're going to win six or seven. And I think they're going to become bowl eligible. I think they're going to improve that much. Um, and I think that's due to the fact that that staff is going to get them, get them really going, even with all the question marks.
0: Yep. Well, I know we'll be talking a lot more football over the next four weeks as uh, kickoff is just what one month away, 30, 30 days, 31 days away. So, so I need to
1: ask, are you boys, are you boys going to Michigan?
0: Yes, sir. Yes. Yep. We will be going and uh, looking forward to that. My brother is a Michigan alum and former athlete there. So he's supposed to give us the VIP treatment and I'm looking forward to that. That's a, that is a college football heaven right there. So I can't wait to, uh, I've never seen a football game there. I've seen a lot of baseball games there, but uh, that's going to be fun i'll be going to pullman as well yep that one uh that one doesn't have quite the luster but i would love to pull that one off too (laughs) Yeah, just for
1: the game itself i'm not sure about pullman huh (laughs) right
0: right exactly i've heard a lot of good things about it look who i have with me (laughs) Uh there's mookie guy he's a lot bigger he's about 55 pounds now holy cow (laughs) he's a good he's a good boy we well, heard about your other pup. We're sorry
1: to hear that, man. Yeah. Uh, we had to say goodbye to Ogie, but uh, what a wonderful boy he was. It was uh, it was a tough week at the Ivy household last week. But on the positive side, I had a good medical report uh, with a CT scan and blood all the blood work. And so everything is looking positive in terms of my health. So Fantastic.
0: Well, that's, that's
2: amazing to hear, Steve.
0: Good to hear, bud. All right, guys. Well, uh, this has been enjoyable. It's fun catching up. That was great stuff. Good catching up on CSU hoops. We'll be much more into uh, CSU football here over the next four weeks leading up to kickoff. Looking forward to college football. And that's it. So thank you all for tuning in. Appreciate all of your fandom and uh, support of RamNation.com. Have a good one. Go Rams.